1: And a great good afternoon to you and yours on a beautiful Chamber of Commerce Day this Thursday, October twenty seventh, the year twenty twenty two. Week nine of college football gets underway tonight. We'll have a live report from Hattiesburg as the the Rage and Cajuns try to end a nine game losing skid uh, against Southern Miss. They are one and twenty two overall in their journeys to Hattiesburg and The Rock so we'll uh, have a live report from there Um, and much much more coming your way hope you're having a great one we're here for the next two hours and we're always guided by my producer James Mesh who's in the master control suite of the game studio which is on the campus of Delta Media which houses KLWB which is 1037 Lafayette we're also on 1041 in Lake Charles we're streaming around the world 1037thegame.com 1041thegame.com and if you're in the Acadiana area and you're by a television set well get that remote control and click it on because we are simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS fiber
0: Did you miss the headlines of the day Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines.
1: After uh, this weekend off, following their Thursday night loss uh, last week to Arizona, the Saints are back home this Sunday in the Dome as a a one-and-a-half-point underdog to the Las Vegas Raiders. Speaking on a, a conference call yesterday, Saints coach Dennis Allen said Andy Dalton is the New Orleans Saints' starting quarterback. No other necessary qualifiers, no ifs, no wins, no buts. And he said this was not dependent on opening day starter Jameis Winston's health. The decision came down, according to Coach Allen, to Dalton's performance. Quote, the last four weeks were one of the top offenses in terms of moving the ball. Were one of the top offenses in terms of scoring points. And that's the name of the game. Asked to clarify whether he meant he intended to start in Dalton even after Winston is fully healed. Dennis Allen said, quote, Jameis is back healthy right now. We're going to go with Andy as we sit here right now. If we continue to play well offensively and move the ball offensively, Andy will stay in there. Neither quarterback was available for comment. Uh, Dalton's scheduled to speak to the media later on today. Hmm, what does that say? tells me one thing, and we'll talk in hour number two to Chris Roseverglue, our Saints insider, tells me one thing. Saints are going quarterback shopping in the next draft, plain and simple. In the meantime, they got to figure out a way to um, get back on track. They're still right there in the midst of things, even at 2-5, and just one game out of first place. AK-41, Alvin Kamara talked about getting that
2: swagger back the years we've been good it's been like a certain swag and a certain confidence you know about the offense like even when we were down it was never like it was never that like we were looking at the score it was like all right well let's go let's play football it wasn't a score thing it wasn't like what the other team was doing thing it's like let's go out execute and we're gonna like the result and I feel like um just honestly I feel like we haven't really been playing like that it's been like we kind of it's just a, a little bit of a, a panic, a little bit of a like, oh, we down. like, And we don't play like that. I, I I still don't have that mentality. So, you know, um, I think I saw something about like somebody talking about like my body language like that. I'm just, you know, I'm always analyzing, always trying to say 10 steps ahead in the game. So, you know, a, a blank look for me is not frustration. It's more so like what can we do? What What's next? What can we do to, to put ourselves in position to win or put ourselves in position to, to uh, sustain the drive, or what can we do to eliminate the mistakes that have been going on? <clears throat> so that's really what my my uh, temperament is, my demeanor is. It's never a frustration.
1: I love Alvin Kamara. What, what a gem he is. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, and Alvin Kamara backs it up. Everything is right there, still in front for the New Orleans Saints.
2: It's it's really it's really weird. I, I still you know, um, like kind of my message in the locker room, like. Um, you know, we got to get our swag, and it's what better time, you know. Um, everything is still in front of us. We're game out. Um, I think, so we, we find a way to, to kind of get that pride in that swag back and hit our stride at the right time. You know, everything is still in front of us, and then get healthy at the right time. And You know, coming off this little break of having a couple days to get some guys you know, ahead and where they are recovery-wise. And, you know, the guys that are playing, just give them a little time to, you know, get their bodies back and get their legs back under them. I mean, we shoot. Everything we want is still in front of us. Um, I think it's just, you know, realizing what we are, what we want to be, and and being there. All
1: right, Saints and the Raiders from Caesars Superdome this Sunday. No LSU football game this weekend, uh, so coaches are... Out and about Brian Polian went out on the road yesterday as the recruiting coordinator. The rest of the staff will be out to see high school games Thursday and Friday, and then they'll spend some time with their families over the weekend. Brian Kelly will stay put. He said, I will do some, some text messaging and stuff like that. He says, I don't want to go out and, you know, go where I can only see two guys and then somebody else is going to get their feelings hurt. He's very smart along those ways. So, um, That's a good thing. So they're utilizing every opportunity they can to continue this recruiting class uh, that they've they've got going on. And they'll go out and watch their commits. They'll go out and watch those that haven't committed. And we'll go from there. As you've heard in the two-minute drill, Major Burns, the sophomore safety, will be cleared for contact next Monday. He's expected to play against Alabama. And it sounds like wide receiver returner Jack Besh might be back as well. As far as junior running back John Emery, he's dealing with an Achilles tendon strain, and he is considered day-to-day. Yeah. So, meanwhile, LSU women's basketball gets on the court tonight, a little exhibition game against Mississippi College. It's it's just a chance for the players to um, get on the court uh, with some officials out there. Um, and whatever kind of crowd gets in, um, it's kind of rehearsal. It's free for fans to attend. It's tonight at 7 p.m. They'll host Langston next Thursday in their second exhibition game before beginning the season on Monday, November 7th, against a school I have never, ever heard of before in my life, Bellarmine, B-E-L-L-A-R-M-I-N-E. Bellarmine. Holy cow. Kim. I love you, but Bellarmine, seriously? Okay. I know you got a new squad. I know you want to get off to the right start, and you want to pile up wins And because the conference is tough. I understand all that. Bellarmine, uh, I don't know about that. We've got some Monday night football as uh, Monday night. Thursday night football as week eight begins. What will we see in the Baltimore Ravens at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? A 7-15 kickoff on Amazon Prime. The Ravens and Lamar Jackson are one and a half point road favorites over the struggling Tampa Bay Buccaneers who only scored three points against Carolina. Can you see, can you see Tom Brady losing three straight games? Can you see that? Man, would that be a shocker or what? I think it'd be a shocker. I really do. Um let me tell you what we have on the program today. I told you we will head out to Hattiesburg. Cody Juno, a member of the Raging Cajun Radio Network, will join us for a live report previewing this huge Sunbelt Conference uh, game. Get this rivalry back, but for it to be a rivalry, man, the Cajuns got to win a game. So we'll go out there and talk about that 6.30 kickoff on ESPN2. Um, the World Series begins tomorrow. And they were college roommates, and now they're on opposing teams. One will be throwing it. The other one will be trying to hit it. Uh, Aaron Nola will be the starting pitcher in game one for the Philadelphia Phillies. And uh, he will go up against his college roommate, third baseman for the Houston Astros, Alex Bregman. We will talk with former LSU head baseball coach Paul Maneri. He'll share some stories about the two of them two outstanding, unbelievable college players, and now stars on their respective teams. It's just been unbelievable, their success rate uh, throughout their careers. And we'll talk to Palmineri, who knows them as well as anyone. I told you, Chris Roseverglue will join us in hour number two. We'll talk about the Saints. We'll talk about what what is this? Is this an indictment on Jameis Winston and... What's going on? You know, do do you lose your starting job to an injury? Well, it looks like Jameis Winston has and Andy Dalton has seized it. Are we really that prolific? Seems like a lot of times Saints get in the red zone and they come away with field goals and not touchdowns. So we'll talk to Chris about that. And then Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports joins us each and every Thursday to make his weekly picks from around the NFL. How about Aaron Rodgers and the struggling Green Bay Packers having to go to Buffalo to try and right their ship? Holy cow. And can the 49ers and Coach Shanahan continue their mastery over Sean McVay and the L.A. Rams? That's just a couple of games we will talk about. We'll have a birthday wish or two, and we'll get on out of here um, just around 4 o'clock this afternoon. So that's the lineup for today. And uh, we're glad you're with us. Now, the only thing standing in the way of the Houston Astros claiming a second World Series championship are those red-hot, nobody expected them to be where they are, Philadelphia Phillies. You can listen to every pitch, clutch hit, and thrilling moment of Game 1 of the World Series this Friday night on News Talk 98.5 FM. Astro launch begins at 6.30. First pitch is set at 7.03. And you can listen to it all live on News Talk 98.5 FM, the talk of Acadiana. We're going to have the talk of Hattiesburg when we return. Cody Juno will preview tonight's big Sunbelt Conference matchup, the Cajuns and the Golden Eagles. They're both coming in on a two-game winning streak. Who's going to get to three? We'll discuss when we return to the Jordy Hulpert Show on this Thursday, October 27th on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're
0: home for the Tigers and the Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, we're just a a few hours away, about four hours away from a very important Sunbelt Conference football game as the Ragin' Cajuns riding a a very hot quarterback, and a two-game winning streak take on um, Southern Miss in Hattiesburg, um, a place that has been none too kind to the Ragin' Cajuns in their annals of college football. Cody Juno is the Ragin' Cajun football sideline reporter. He is going to be on the sideline this evening in Hattiesburg at The Rock, and he joins us now. Cody, good afternoon, buddy. It's been too long. How have you been?
3: I'm doing good, Jordy. Glad to uh, glad to hop aboard this afternoon. Absolutely
1: beautiful day for football, isn't it?
3: Uh, amen. I mean, chamber uh, chamber of commerce type weather we've got here. You know, seventy <laughs> degrees should be just a a great night for football at the uh, at the Rock.
1: It'll cost you a hundred bucks. I got the patent on that, so uh, but I'll I'll waive it in lieu of your fee for for coming on the show today. Um, Ben Wilridge. Uh, one man's misfortune is another man's fortune. Um Chandler Fields gets hurt, Ben Woolers doesn't have to look over his shoulder anymore. Coach DeZ says, "Here's the keys, go take it and run with it." And man, has he been sensational. You've had a up-close and personal view. What have you seen?
3: No, I mean I think you hit the uh, the nail right there on the head, right? The I think not looking over the shoulder has been a a big factor to the way that Ben has played. Uh seems a little bit more relaxed and you know, the other thing too is everybody around Ben is playing better, um, especially mm-hmm. when you know the way things were earlier in the season, and I think that's been a big part of the uh, Cajun success.
1: Has has having one quarterback is that you think improved the play calling from Coach Des? He, I mean, he's, he seems a lot more comfortable now.
3: Well, again, I mean, I think you know you, you look at the Cajuns' offensive struggles early on, and could you say that maybe playing two quarterbacks had something to do with it? Sure, but the team as a whole was not playing. You know, exceptionally well, right? And I mean, the record reflects that. Um, mm-hmm. I think, though, what we've seen is, you know, over the last two games as well, Dante Fleming has emerged um, in that wide receiving group, and Ben and Dante obviously have a good rapport that's, you know, evident by the three touchdowns um, that 17 has scored, and so I think that, you know, quarterbacks are maybe more comfortable with some receivers, and, you know, those receivers are maybe more comfortable with one quarterback over the other, and Again, I think that's part of what's led the Cajuns to play better over the last two games. Uh, but, you know, the reality is even at that South Alabama loss, they, they played their best game of the year then, right? And then it was better at Marshall. And then mm-hmm. last week we saw them uh, come close to putting four quarters of football together for the first time really all year.
1: Everybody's talked about the offense and the quarterback, and deservedly so, but I think defensive coordinator, coordinator Lamar Morgan has come up with stuff. Uh, that, that defensive front has been really good, with uh, blitzes and stunts, they've got sacks. They've got tackles for loss. That that group seems to me to have really taken strides and improved as well.
3: No, you're absolutely right. Coming into the year, because of depth issues, that was a big question mark. Was that defensive front uh, between depth and, and guys not being el- eligible to play? You know, you lost the big guy in Taylor Humphrey, um, but the year that Zion Hill Green is having, you know, it just wrecking shop. Whether he's inside as a, a tackle. Or in pressure situations, they push him outside to the edge. He's able to play both positions. Um, but as a whole, that unit has been fantastic. And, and what they've done is they've allowed the Cajun linebackers, Jordan Quibido, you know KC Osai, uh, and those guys to just run around and make plays, which is what we saw you know, over the last couple of years, uh, you know, freeing up guys like Lorenzo McCaskill and Farad Gardner, who, or, who are both no longer here to make those plays.
1: Cody, Juno, with us, sideline reporter. It's the Cajuns versus the Golden Eagles. Um, S- Southern Miss starting a freshman quarterback. I got to believe Lamar Morgan's going to come up with all kind of gimmickry on a guy that's got seven touchdown throws in six games, but's also thrown eight interceptions. I got to believe they're going to throw the Cajun sink at this kid.
3: Well, you know, I mean, the Cajun defense has played really well uh, all year, right? Um, you know, the, the one issue they've had is they have allowed the big play to kind of pop up Um, So if they can eliminate that, again, the pressure up front and then, you know, the most experienced part of that Cajun defense is it's secondary. And and they've continued to play well all year. Uh, Braylon Tronha is just a ball hawk, right? 12 career uh, interceptions. And, you know, the corners have played really well um, in addition to that. Mm -hmm. Cody Juno with us. Uh, It's amazing.
1: It's so funny. It's like a backup quarterback comes in and the team just jumpstarts. You you lose your – top tailback in Chris Smith who's missed the last two weeks with a hamster injury and against Arkansas State Cajuns run the ball like crazy 206 yards Smith is back right uh, coach Des says he's gonna play tonight man
3: does that help um Ben
1: Wooleridge and company
3: no I, I think you're absolutely right and, and yeah Chris returning expected to return this evening gives the Cajun some you know maybe ex- explosiveness that they missed uh in that backfield but You know, Jordy, I think you've got to look at the offensive line. They've continued to get better each and every week, and they're playing their best ball right now. I think it's important to note, too, that the five guys starting, not a single one of them went through spring drills, right? So earlier in the year, it it took them a little bit to get moving, and now they seem to kind of be gelled and and working as one unit.
1: That's terrific. Um, I guess that's a key, how the offensive line does, because Southern Miss ranks 21st in the nation in stopping the run, allowing just 112 yards per game. I love the fact that you got a quarterback that can throw it in case you aren't able to run the football. But I gotta believe that um, the the Cajuns are going to try and run it and see see if Southern Miss can stop them.
3: Well, I mean, certainly, right? Because anybody, if, anytime you can run the football, um, you know, especially when you have to run the football, you put yourself in, in a better position to win the game. But I do expect the Cajuns to kind of come out. Maybe a little bit similar to the way the game plan developed against Marshall. Again, another really stout front against the run. Cadence mm-hmm. came out, threw it a little bit, and while the numbers weren't there, they were able to in key spots, you know, pick up big runs, big yardage to keep the uh, the clock moving, and ultimately win that contest a couple Wednesdays ago.
1: Dude, if this is going to be a rivalry, cagey has got to get a win in Hattiesburg. They're one and twenty-two all time in that little uh, village uh, right there at the stadium they call The Rock. Um, man, they're overdue, aren't they?
3: Uh, yeah, I don't believe that uh, the Cajuns have won in my lifetime in Hattiesburg. Uh, so <laughs> certainly hope that uh, that fortune changes this evening. But uh, so so you know, to your point about the rivalry, this is going to be good for Louisiana, good for Southern Miss, and good for the Sunbelt Conference. You know, kind of wish I this agree. game was on a Saturday, uh, but you get the opportunity on ESPN2 this evening and I'm really excited uh, you know, about the environment that uh, is expected tonight in Hattiesburg.
1: I know some Raging Cajun fans that are going to make the trip and they're going to be there. So I think they'll be well represented. And I think they'll have a uh, about 20,000, 25,000 people in, in the stands, which, which is a good sign, um, I believe. Um, but, Cody, when push comes to shove, you analyze these teams. You see the Cajuns up close and personal. Uh, let's talk about your keys for the Cajuns to get win three in a
3: row. Yeah, so what what you've seen the Cajuns do over the last two weeks, really, you know, starting offensively, is, Jory they've made the simple plays, right? They've stayed, for the most part, out of third and long. They stayed on schedule, making the easy catch, right, then making the spectacular catch later on down the road. Uh, and so, for me, it's just about execution, something that, you know, again, there was a lot of 10 on 11 uh, early in the year, and over the last couple of weeks we've seen 11 on 11. You know, and then defensively, right, it's, don't give up the big play, right? Don't allow the freshman quarterback to kind of get hot, contain things. Uh, and, you know, as you kind of talked about earlier, start heating them up, right? With those pressure right. packages and, and make him really uncomfortable uh, and see if you can turn them into a one-dimensional football team.
1: Yeah. win that turnover battle, they are very susceptible. Uh, they played a lot of close games. They had a, a signature win. You know, if you can beat Tulane, um, that that's a signature win. Cause the green wave is really good. So I, I expect a really, really competitive game. I, it wouldn't surprise me if this came down to the team that had the ball last. I think it's going to be one of those kind of games. I really do.
3: No, and, and keep in mind, too, right, they they lost the opener to uh, to Liberty. Liberty's only got one loss, right? That was a four-overtime yeah. game. So, yeah. uh, you know, I fully expect a uh, knock-em-down, drag-em-out fist fight to, uh, tonight in Hattiesburg.
1: Uh, you know, you got a spot in heaven. You got to work with Walker and Brusard. So, I mean, golly, you know, you're doing your penance here on Earth. So, your ticket's made down the road, big guy. Uh,
3: <laughs> uh, always great to be on the call with those two for sure. All right,
1: um, safe. Uh, you know, safe travels back to uh, Lafayette. Uh, should be a heck of a ball game. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great time and uh, have a great call.
3: You got it. Appreciate you.
1: Uh, you got it, man. That's uh, my buddy Cody Juno. With the Cajuns and the Golden Eagles, it's um, I I really firmly believe that uh, this is going to be a game that the Cajuns' defense is going to have to dictate. I, I think it's um, I think Southern Miss's defense is pretty darn good. I think the Cajuns' defense is better. I think their ability to pressure the quarterback and um to to confuse a freshman quarterback will come in very very handy. Um, can Gerard flip the field in the in the return game like he's done seemingly every game this year. That's critical. And can Ben Woolrich stay hot? Can he stay hot? And if he stays hot, cages are coming back. Uh, that bus ride is going to be a very nice, happy bus ride uh, back into Lafayette sometime, probably Friday morning because um, uh, it's going to be a late night. So anyway, good luck to them. Um, And and thank you to Cody Juno for joining us. If you want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda forever, text Panther to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing of Black Panther Wakanda forever at Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November the 10th. Once again, text Panther to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, brought to you by The Game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. We will take a timeout here. We are one day away from the start of the World Series. First pitch tomorrow, Friday at 7.03. Throwing the first pitch out for the Philadelphia Phillies will be former LSU Tiger Aaron Nola. He'll be going up against his college roommate, alex bregman when bregman steps in with his marucci bat in hand we will talk to their college coach and share some stories with paul maneri when we return to the Jordy helpert show here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for those houston astros in southwest louisiana
0: every day is a chamber of commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy holberg show this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your hall for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana.
1: Welcome back. We know the Kyle, the world series begins tomorrow in Houston as the Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies will square off game one starter for the Phillies, a former LSU tiger by the name of Aaron Nola. uh, He'll be pitching against the Astros and certainly batting fourth as the Astros' third baseman will be another former Tiger, Alex Bregman. Not only are they elite players, but they were college teammates and they are friends, and they get to add this ultimate opportunity to their resumes that are just outstanding. Someone who knows them as well as anybody possibly could is the coach that got that convinced them to come to LSU and to show off their talents in the SEC? And that's my good friend uh, Paul Maneri. Paul, good afternoon, sir. How have you been?
4: <laughs> I'm doing well, Jordy. How are you? It's been oh, a while. Great.
1: You got any extra tickets? Because I'd love to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh,
4: uh, it's ironic that. This game, the first game of the World Series is in Houston and Aaron Nola is pitching yep. because I was over there the last week of the regular season when Aaron pitched against the Astros, you may remember. Yeah. And He did one seven. win to qualify for the playoffs.
5: Yeah.
4: Aaron got the ball and he he went 6 and 2 thirds perfect innings to wow. start the game. And I'm sitting That's there with my wife and I am saying, is this really happening? Is Aaron Nola going to pitch a perfect game? To send the Phillies to the playoffs, and in the meantime, do it against Alex Bregman and the Astros. Wow. Uh, he ended up giving up a couple of singles, and and the manager hooked him. But they went on to win the game three to nothing and clinched yeah. their spot. But I was just there a couple weeks ago watching. Yeah, Aaron Fitch he was against outstanding. And now,
1: now here we go on the highest stage. Um, tell me about both kids when when you first saw. Aaron Nola play. What, what was your first impression of seeing him at Catholic High in Baton Rouge?
4: Oh, I just looked at him and I said, I really want this pitcher for our team. He, uh, he threw nothing but strikes.
5: Yeah. He had
4: a good moving fastball and he had a terrific changeup. His curveball was a work in progress at that time, I thought. But I thought this kid's going to come in immediately and help the LSU Tigers because he throws the best pitch in baseball. And that's called a strike. And uh, he does it with regularity. (laughs) He's probably got the best command of any pitcher in the major leagues. And he had that command way back when he was in high school. And sure enough, he came to LSU and just had an amazing career. I think he went 30 wins and six losses in his career with a low uh, er in the low twos. He was the SEC pitcher of the year for two consecutive years, which has never been done had never been done before and hasn't been done since. So. Just a terrific kid, he, he was great when he was with us, and he's got nothing but better because that curveball has now maybe become his best pitch.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. Um, I rene- I'll never forget you, you, you very rarely um rave about players because you don't want to put pressure on them to have to live up to your belief in them, and you so you can kind of keep it close to the vest, except for one player. And that was Alex Bregman. And you told me before his freshman year, you said, Jordy, this kid's going to be a superstar. And look what happens. What was your impressions well, you know, when you saw him?
4: Jordy, I, I, I think you have me wrong. I know I always sung the praises of my players. I didn't care if it put pressure on them or not. Yeah, <laughs> they, they could handle it. Because when I saw a special player um, like Bregman, like Aaron Nola, like Alex Lang and yeah. DJ LeMayu and Kevin Gosman, you know, I told the world how great they were going to be because you come to LSU, you you better be able to handle pressure. And uh, you know, these kids I knew had special talents. Bregman was very unique. You know, I honestly when we when Bregman committed to us and then ultimately signed with us in November of the senior year, I thought there was a less than fifty percent chance that he would come to school because okay. it, I thought he was that good. And he ended up breaking his finger the day of his first game of his senior year in high school. And it kept him out the entire year. Had he played his senior year, he probably would have been drafted in the, in the first round and mm-hmm. not come to school. Now he wow. told me if I get drafted in the first round coach, I'm going to sign professionally. But if I don't go in the first round, I'm coming to LSU. So the first thing, Round that was the first year that the that the Major League Baseball draft was on television, and they only televised the first round and then the supplemental picks after the first right. round. Now they do yeah. the first two rounds, but that year mm-hmm. was the first year, and they only did the first round. So I'm of course watching the draft with great interest, and you know the you know the Bregman is not drafted, and um, he ends up uh, you know going through the whole. 30 teams plus the sandwich picks and he's not drafted well i had heard that before you know about guys saying if i go in the first round i'm gonna sign but otherwise i'm coming to school but then money talks in the second third fourth fifth rounds, and they end up signing anyway well bregman calls me the next morning early in the morning i think it was about 8 a.m and and i said well alex you know i saw his his name on caller id and i said well alex i'm really sorry that you didn't go in the first round. I know you really wanted to. I really don't know what else to say. He goes, oh, don't worry about it, Coach. I just want you to know I'm coming to school. And I said, well, Alex, you know, I, I'm sure that somebody will draft you in the second or third round and give you a pretty good signing bonus. He said, Coach, I told you if I don't go in the first round, I'm coming to school. I'm coming to school. I've already had teams call me and offer me a million dollars in the second round, but I told them, forget about it. I'm, I'm going to LSU. <laughs> so I was stunned yeah. I was stunned well you know what he told me let me tell you what he told me about two months yeah. after he got here he he walked into my office one day and he had this big grin on his face and I said to him well, what are you smiling about he says coach I just want you to know how happy I am being here at LSU and if I'd have known then what I know now I wouldn't have signed for seventeen million dollars. I am so really? happy being at LSU. And that kid <laughs> from the day he walked on this campus had unparalleled enthusiasm and energy and worked so hard but he didn't even look at it as work. He just loved it. And it yeah. and it was it was contagious. You know, it affected our entire team and in his three years at LSU we won 156 games, which is an average of 52 a year. Wow! But unfortunately, we didn't bring the big trophy home from Omaha, yeah. and that that always has been a void in my life and his life. And uh, it's a shame because you know the first year we went with him, in 13, when Aaron was pitching for us, uh, we lost to UCLA in the first game of the of the tournament. Right. When Alex made an error in the eighth inning to allow the go-ahead run, the winning run to score, and we lost two to one. And that, even though it was a tremendously difficult time for him and our team, I think that he grew from that and became more determined to be the greatest player that he could possibly be. Yeah. And he's gone on, you know, he went on to have a great career at LSU and he's had a great career in the
1: major leagues. No question. Uh, Palmineri, kind enough to join us. Two diametrically opposite personalities, right? I mean, Nola, the quiet... <laughs> yeah. Very quiet, Bregman, the, the the bombastic, outgoing. How did they become roommates, and how did that work out? <laughs>
4: oh, that's so funny. You know, it, the whole thing is so intertwined because Aaron's older brother, Austin, was our shortstop in 2012 as a senior, right. and then he graduated, of course, and went into professional baseball. He's now the starting catcher for the San Diego Padres. But he was our shortstop at LSU, so the number one priority for For me, when we started in the fall of 2012, getting ready for the 13th season was to find a shortstop to replace Austin Nola. And of course, Bregman won the job. So he replaced Aaron's brother as our shortstop. And then his sophomore year and Aaron's junior year, they became roommates. And they, uh, you know, they get along wonderfully. They're great friends. Um, but they are about as opposite as you can be. You know, like you said, Alex is very outgoing, very boisterous, the life of the party. Uh, he's the leader of the team, you know, in a vocal way, hustle way, etc. And then you got Aaron, who's just a good old country boy that just moves as slow as the water flows, you know, <laughs> and that never shows emotion. You never know if he's pitching greater or, or getting hit hard because he just doesn't show his emotions at all out there on the field. But, Both of them have the one commonality that they're both terrific young men, I mean, wonderful people, Mm -hmm. and great ballplayers, of course.
1: And their work ethic, second to none, right? Well, you know, Bregman sets the standard for work
4: ethic. I mean, this guy, you know, you hear this saying, he'd rather play baseball than anything else in life, and that absolutely is true with Alex Bregman. I I can vouch for that. You know, as a pitcher, Aaron Nola... You know, you can only throw so many balls a day, <laughs> you know, your yeah, army's stress. Right. But Aaron worked extremely hard. He, I think he got that work ethic from his father, A.J. Nola, and his older brother, Austin. But, yeah, Aaron was an extremely hard worker as well. Both those kids, you could see that they had a clear vision of where they wanted to go in the game. They both loved LSU and gave LSU every ounce of everything that they had. But they also knew that they had other things. They were going to happen to them. They were destined to play in the major leagues and be great in the major leagues. And if anything, I think both of them were a little bit underestimated when they went into professional baseball. Scouts used to say to me, well, I see Aaron Nola as maybe a third or fourth starter in the big leagues. That would be his ceiling. And, you know, the you know guys talked about Bregman and said, well, you know, he's kind of short. And, you know, we don't know if he's got home run power. Both of them have far surpassed the expectations of the professional scouting business, but certainly didn't surpass the expectations I had for both of them because I saw them every day and I knew what both of yeah. them were made of.
1: Well, a little bird told me that uh, when you when you went to go see that uh, game that Nola was pitching, he picks a gem against the Astros to clinch uh, a spot in the playoffs. Um, you had dinner with Alex Bregman. You were supposed to have lunch with Nola the next day. <laughs> And uh, Nola was a no-show. He canceled because the the, the the country boy who roomed with the party boy partied too much. I mean, so maybe some of that Gregman rubbed off on Nola.
4: Well, you know, it was so funny because, you know, first of all, I, I said to Karen, my wife, I said, you want to go over to watch a Major League Baseball game? I thought for sure she'd say no. You know, she's seen enough baseball games in her life. But she said, yeah, sure, I'll go with you. So. We went over and, and uh, had made arrangements that Alex would pick us up after the game and we'd have dinner together. And, uh, and then we made arrangements with Aaron to have lunch with him the next day. So after the game was over, well, first of all, let's back up. Aaron faced Alex twice and got him to ground out the first time. The second time he popped up the third. And I said to Karen, you watch. After, Aaron, after Alex picks us up, we won't be around the block. And Alex is going to say, man, I should have killed that curveball that Nola threw me. I should have hit it into the stands.
2: <laughs>
4: and sure enough, we weren't around the block. And Alex says, man, I can't believe I missed that curveball that Nola hit, threw to me. I should have hit that into the Crawford boxes." <laughs> so even Karen started to laugh in the back seat. Aaron, I mean, excuse me, Alex hasn't changed a bit. But we had a nice dinner, and, of course, the Astros had already clenched, and, you know, they were just kind of biding time till the playoffs. Right. And we had a wonderful meal and met his new baby and his wife right. and, and uh, just had a wonderful time. I think we were, we were at his condo until about 2 o'clock in the morning. So the next morning we wake up, and I text Aaron. And I said, what time do you want to get together? And he's like, Coach, I'm kind of not feeling too good this morning. I must have caught a, a flu or something like last night. So I said, hey, Aaron, we'll get together in the off season, No problem. I'm sure you enjoyed yourself last night, which was, oh, uh, which love was great to, win, to hear. no
1: question. Is it is it fair to say that at the same time you probably had the best picture you ever coached and maybe the best position player you ever coached at the same time on the same team?
4: Well, you know, Jordy, um, it's hard to quantify, you know, who was the best at this or yeah. who was the best. At that. I, I was privileged to coach a lot of great players in yeah. my career. But certainly, it, if they weren't the best, they were tied for the best. <laughs> Let me put it that way. <laughs> and to have them both on the same team, you know, was really amazing. Um, but you could just feel the greatness. But they weren't the only guys. Remember now, on our 13-team, we had Ray Freins, who had led the country okay. in hitting mm-hmm. the year before, the 13-team, was the o- at that point, was the only team in LSU baseball history to have three first-team All-Americans on the same team. Wow. And it was Aaron Aaron Nola, Alex Bregman, and Mason Katz, our first baseman.
3: That's right.
4: And we did it a couple of years later, I believe, uh, with Alex Lang and Bregman and Kate Civic, I think, uh, made All-America that year as well. But that was the first time ever in 13 and. Oh, you know, it's just one of those things that eats at me that we didn't win uh, the national championship. We went I out remember. to Omaha with a fifty-seven Thinking. and nine record, and uh, yeah, I, just came yeah. up a little bit short.
1: Fifty-seven and nine—without question, the best LSU baseball team. Unfortunately, not to win a World Series. That team was loaded, and sometimes the balls bounce uh, funny ways, and and you got to live with it. But. Um, when you look at both of these clubs, who who do you? I mean, Houston's so good from top to bottom, and man, they you would love you love that pitching staff and their bullpen. I mean, they're <laughs> unbelievable.
4: Well, the Astros are; they, they're loaded, and you know they've got a great lineup, they got a great starting pitching, they got a great uh, bullpen, and clearly, I think they were the best team in baseball this sure I'm sure you get some argument from the Dodgers and right. and a couple other teams, maybe, but uh you know Houston is this has been building i mean they've this is their what fourth appearance in the world series in the last 6 years or so and Bregman and Gurriel and and uh Altuve i mean they they've set you know they've been the core of that team mm-hmm. um but the Phillies man they got the mojo going you know they they, they, do. they they're kind of like Ole miss was this year the last team into the college yeah. uh tournament and they ended up winning the national championship you know, sometimes those teams are teams of destiny. And, and um, you know, one of the kids that has been great for the Phillies has been their rookie shortstop, Bryson Stott. And I had Bryson Stott when the summer I managed the USA Collegiate National Team. Okay. Uh, Bryson was our shortstop. He's from UNLV. And I love that kid. He's great, and he's really improved his shortstop play. And, you know, he's playing like he did for us in the, in the summer of 18. Wow. Uh, wow. You know, Bryce Harper's playing on a different planet right now. So you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, you're right. I hope I hope Aaron pitches a great game Friday night, and um, I hope Alex Bregman gets three hits every game. And <laughs> it's not going to really matter who I root for that's in the right. final result. So I'm not going to even tell you who I'm rooting for. I, <laughs> I understand. I'm that's a, more than, I'm going to I wasn't even going to ask you that
1: because that would not be a fair question <laughs> for you. you. So I let it go. All I'm going to say is. Um, Nola owes you a really, really good lunch. I mean, a really good lunch and he needs to pick up the tab and I know exactly where you want where, uh, where you want him to take you in Baton Rouge. So, um, make it happen. <laughs> well,
4: let me tell you something, Jordy, uh, for 15 years, I had the great privilege of being the baseball coach at LSU and I never took the, took it for granted, not for a day. Yeah. And, I, and I had the privilege of coaching so many outstanding young men, not just great baseball players, but yeah. great people. And my life was enriched by the relationships that I have with all of them. And I'm so proud of Alex. I'm so proud of Aaron. But I'm, I'm also proud of Austin Nola and DJ LeMayu and Kevin Gosman and all the rest yeah, of them. But I'm also proud of all the kids that didn't play in the major leagues and just went on to be great successes yeah. in their personal lives.
1: Well, they were fortunate to have you as their mentor and coach, and uh, I'm fortunate enough to call you a friend, and I thank you for your time. And uh, enjoy the World Series, my friend, no matter who wins. Uh, you you win either way.
4: Yeah, you're right about that, Jordy. And, and uh, uh, it's good to be with you. I miss you. Miss you, too, buddy. You miss, on a
1: regular you. miss you, man. We'll catch you up soon. Thank you. Okay, Jordy. Okay, man. You take care. Paul Maneri, kind enough to share some stories. Two of the best, two of the best. Don't forget that Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens travel to South Florida to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight on Thursday Night Football. You can listen to all the action live here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Pre-game starts at 7, kickoff set for 720. That's Ravens at Bucks here on Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Back to wrap up hour number one after this
0: timeout. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: The Karen Cultural District is hosting Crow Fest, downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival, this Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. Families are invited to enjoy a safe trick-or-treating Along Saint Peter Street, it'll be closed to vehicular traffic during the event. There'll be games, a haunted house, a petting zoo, a cos- costume contest for kids, and a pumpkin carving contest. That is the Crowfest, downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival, this Saturday from six to eight p.m. That was fun talking to my buddy Paul Maneri. That that was good. boy, he had some players, man. Fifty-seven and nine, and got beat by UCLA, and that was all she wrote um in their quest for a world series championship that's the best baseball team to not win a national championship at LSU they won a bunch of them that was the best one to not win one uh will be heavy 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 NFL football in our number two Chris Rose for the glue will join us we'll talk about the New Orleans Saints I don't care if Jameis Winston's healthy or not Andy Dalton's our quarterback says Dennis Allen and the Schwab will make his week eight NFL picks. All coming your way. Hour number two, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers and Astros in Southwest
0: Louisiana. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the blonde bomber, Jordy Holtberg.
1: It's our number two of two, and away we go. If you missed our number one, we talked uh, about the raging Cajuns and their big game coming up in a little over three hours in Hattiesburg against Southern Miss with Cody Juno, the Cajun sideline radio reporter. And with the World Series starting tomorrow in Houston, Aaron Nola on the bump for the Phillies, the former Tiger, facing his former college roommate, third baseman Alex Bregman. We shared some really fun, fun stories with their college baseball coach, Paul Maneri. This hour, we'll talk New Orleans Saints football. We'll get Week Eight NFL picks from the Schwab. But in the meantime, we get started um, real quick. <laughs> They've got the worst record in the West division of the NBA. The Los Angeles Lakers lost again. They are 0-4. 0-4. They got issues. They got issues. The Pels are at 3-1. They get ready to start a uh, West Coast trip. Uh, they'll take on the Phoenix Suns tomorrow. The Suns uh, with Chris Paul, Devin Booker et al. Uh, are also at 3-1. and So uh, NBA in this infancy. I believe that the New Orleans Saints had a, uh, had a needed a little break away from everything, uh, so I thought the Thursday night game, albeit a loss, was t- difficult, but I thought playing on Thursday would end up being beneficial to them. Let's talk about the Saints with our good buddy Chris Rosevoglu, who joins us this afternoon. Hey, Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Jordy. How's everything? Uh, good. Halloween's on Monday, so what's your favorite Halloween candy, by the way?
6: You know, I'm I'm pretty basic when it comes to candy. I'm a big Kit Kat guy, so that's, pro- that's probably been my go-to, uh, you know, throughout the years.
1: Kit Kat, can't go wrong with that. All right. Um, Dennis Allen said, yes, Jameis Winston is healthy, but we're sticking with Andy Dalton. Did that surprise you? And why do you think he is sticking with Andy Dalton?
6: You know, you know the decision I would say it would have surprised me if there weren't, you know, so many things kind of pointed that direction over the last couple of weeks. I re- I remember right before the Cardinals game Ian Rappaport comes out and says, "Hey, if Andy Dalton keeps it up, he gives them a calming presence, they might start him past week 7." And I was like, "Okay, you're starting to hear these rumblings and from people who, you know, know a lot more than I do. And as soon as you start to hear that, you're like, "Okay, let me let me start searching into this." As for Why they went with him, I'd say what the Saints want to do right now is really be a team that runs the football, kind of just takes what the defense gives you in the passing game and stay on schedule. And if we take out, I know it's hard to do because last game against the Cardinals didn't go very well. If you take out the messy turnovers from that, you're talking about an offense that actually hasn't been the problem for the Saints. and They've done a really good job of methodically moving the football. And that's why they're going that route. I think that they're valuing what they saw at least the three games prior to the Cardinals kind of meltdown that the Saints had with the three picks and two pick sixes. But I think that's what they value. I think they value ball control. They value kind of playing it safe, kind of managing the game. And I think Dalton, if you're going for a game manager, kind of suits that category more.
1: So they're, they're, they're playing more of a conservative nature. They want to control the ball, which tells me like, like an old coach that I know very well, um, Offense, don't screw it up. Kicking game, be effective. Let's flip the field. But defense is going to win it for us. But the defense has been a sieve. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why, you know, there's a lot of debate yesterday,
6: especially on social media. And and that's kind of expected with a decision like this. But. So many people are arguing over whether or not Dalton's starting the right call or if it should be Jameis. And my honest response to all this, Jordy, is I don't think it matters who the quarterback is for all the right. Saints if the defense doesn't fix the problems that they currently have. They are yeah. getting dashed in the run game. They're giving up big plays in the passing game. They're missing tackles. And on top of all that, they're not forcing any turnovers. I think you can almost be a defense that is either bend but don't break or... Gives up a lot, of, a lot of yardage, but they're opportunistic. The Saints are neither. They have one pick through seven games this year. They had 18 picks all of last season. So you're seeing that lack of turnovers being forced, on top of the fact that they are no longer a dominant run defense. The pass rush is not hitting home nearly often yeah. enough. And then also, like we talked about, I mean, they seem to be the get right game for a lot of teams right now. You know, you see the Bengals. They beat the Saints, and then all of a sudden they play the Falcons, and Joe Burrow throws for nearly 500 yards. So it's just a really bad mix right now.
1: Build your confidence by playing the New Orleans Saints. It tells me one thing, Chris, and I I, I don't have a crystal ball, but um, if your starter, you know the old cliche, you know a starter doesn't lose his job because of an injury. Well, obviously, Jameis Winston has. And Dennis Allen said, as long as we keep moving the ball, Andy will be there. It tells me one thing only. Saints are going quarterback-shapping after this season. That's that's the only impression I get.
6: Absolutely. And I kind of felt that way regardless of, you know, if they made a quarterback change or not. Like, if they gave the ball back to Jameis Winston and they said he's the starter for this weekend, I would still feel the same way because I always go back to what they did earlier this year. And, you know, we talked about it throughout, you know, the early stage of the offseason. The Saints were one of the more aggressive teams in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. So when they go all in there, miss out, then go back and get Jameis and Andy Dalton, those kind of seem like contingency plans more than anything. And you're not really committed. You're not committed to Andy Dalton next year. And even though Jameis does have another year, it's a contract that, look, the Saints aren't committing a ton of money to. They're going to be QB shopping yet again. The, the, the question is, with what assets? They don't have the first round pick that could hurt a little bit, but maybe they recoup something in a Sean Payton trade. And then financially, they don't have a lot of cap space. That that's never really stopped them before, though. But that's right. I do agree. I think this is a team that will be in the QB market next off season.
1: If you look at the numbers, Dalton's I, look. They both lost a lot of games. They're one in three with Dalton as a starter, and uh, what one in. Two with Winston as a starter, whatever. But with Dalton, the last four games, they're averaging 31 points a game. That, that should win you games in the NFL. 417 yards a game, six yards per offensive play as compared to 17 points per game with Winston starting. Uh, less than, you know, about 370 yards per game. So the numbers certainly behoove Dalton, but, but it's when they get in the red zone, that's when things come to a screeching halt. Yeah, absolutely, and and again, you know, off the Dalton thing.
6: To your point, it's it's tough because people will see the the win loss and say, "Hey, look, this is not ideal," and I get that. Like, no one wants the record that the Saints currently have right now with Andy Dalton, which is one and three when he's starting. But to your point, they're moving the ball well, and there's other factors as to why they're losing these games. But the red zone thing for me, it's more so the personnel decisions too. I mean, there were so many times in the Cardinals game where. Alvin Kamara's on the sidelines while they're in the red zone, or Taysom Hill's on the yeah. sidelines while in the red zone. And I'm like, Thank you, you got to get your best players out there when it's a money time situation. And I think for the Saints, this weekend hopefully will tell me a lot. We've seen a lot of Alvin Kamara speaking up and he's saying the right things. And he's really kind of putting that C on his chest to, to you know, um, he's kind of validating that part. But you got to let Alvin Kamara get the ball in the red zone. There was times where they were throwing it to Mark Ingram in the flats. And I'm thinking, If a running back's going to catch the ball in the flats, it's got to be Alvin Kamara because you're talking about a player who can make you miss in a phone booth. So I think for him, that's an importance. get him the ball. The fact that he doesn't have a touchdown this year is just baffling to me. The Saints have done a good job of getting into the red zone. Once they get there, it seems like you're settling for three. And that really is a shame because we talked about it before. The defense, on the other hand, has given up almost a touchdown at will, it feels like, this season. So they definitely need to get that flipped if they're going to win this weekend.
1: As I've said, ad nauseum, two and five overall, but just one game out of first place in the NFC South where it doesn't seem like anybody wants to win this thing. The big key for the Saints, will they be getting some of their injured players back? I know it's only uh, Thursday. We won't know till later in the week, but are there some rumblings that some of these players are going to be back?
6: Well, they'll be getting at least two players back. At least it seems like that will make a difference, Paulson Adibo and Andrews Pete. But it's not what Saints fans are expecting, right? Saints fans are hoping after the little 10-day reset, as they like to call it, from the Thursday right. night game, Michael Thomas would be back and Marshawn Lattimore would be back and Jarvis Landry would be back. Well, as of this point, none of them have practiced at any point this week. I don't expect Michael Thomas to play. Marshawn Lattimore, I don't expect him to play either. Although the fact that he wasn't placed on IR, I think it's a little bit of a good thing. The Michael Thomas situation is is kind of just a question mark right now. I I really have no idea as to when we'll see him back on the field, even though he was at the practice facility on Wednesday. But the Saints are still going to be without three key playmakers. I would say the wide receiver concerns, I know it sounds crazy, they're no longer as dire to me because I think Chris Olave has really cemented his status as an immediate impact player as a rookie. Mm -hmm. But, not having a Lattimore against the Raiders passing game that will be predicated on Devonte Adams getting the ball a lot. That yeah. part concerns me a lot.
1: Uh, Chris Rose will glue with us Derek Carr. I think is a really good quarterback. I love their running back, the former uh, Alabama uh, Jacobs. I-, I think he's really, really good. We know about Devonte Adams, but uh, old Derek Stingley Jr. kind of put the cuffs on him last week uh, with Houston. He, he kind of limited him a little bit. Um, what are the Saints in the chart? What's that matchup look like to you? Yeah, you know, it's the first thing that you mentioned, Jordy,
6: that really stands out to me. Josh Jacobs, the Raiders decided to not pick up his fifth-year option. And what he's done has been remarkable. He's putting together a season where if the Raiders aren't going to pay him, someone will. He's been that yes. good. You saw last week against the Texans, three touchdowns, another 100-plus-yard rushing game. The, the kid's been phenomenal. This is a career year for him. And he's going to get paid, obviously, for Saints have been unable to do against running teams, that concerns me, right? We looked last yeah. week and so much talk about, hey, James Con, you know, Benjamin steps in and has 92 rushing yards and the touchdown. So that just didn't seem to be a problem. And, and it's happened so many times throughout this season. I look at, you know, The the Bengals game, I'll look at the Vikings game. Even if the yards, you're not seeing a hundred yard rusher, you're seeing the yards per carry be way higher than we're accustomed to. And part of that is the holes that they're giving up in the interior of the defensive line. So that part concerns me. Another part that really concerns me, and I'm just going off what I remember from two years ago. Mm -hmm. The Saints went up against Darren Waller on a Monday night. Who? What a stud! Zero. They they threw Malcolm Jenkins at him. They threw Marshawn Lattimore at him. They threw Marcus Williams at him. And he just continued to have his way with this secondary. I'm curious to see how the Saints match up against him this Sunday. I'm not saying they're going to stick Tyron Matthew on him. I don't think that's the answer. But Tyron Matthew has a lot of experience against Darren Waller and maybe how the defense can match up from his time with the Chiefs. a blueprint that they can follow there. That's another player I'm looking at. As for the offensive side, you know, it sounds crazy. I expect the Saints to do what they've been doing the last couple weeks, get into the red zone, get a good amount of yardage, run the football well. The question is, are you going to be able to match up with the Raiders' offense that is starting to find their groove? And and I think this is a team that could potentially get it going in the second half. So th- this could be another game. Maybe 28, 24, something around that range.
1: I mean, you know, Tampa Bay's uh, hosting uh, the Ravens tonight. You got the Falcons and the Panthers going up against one another. Something's going to give there. This is a golden opportunity for the Saints. It's really weird. The Saints have scored 175 points and have given up 200 as their record is at two and five. But for some reason, the Raiders have scored more points than they've given up. Um, They are 163 points scored, 150 points allowed, and yet they're two and four. So um, I, I don't know what to read about those numbers, but it just doesn't seem to equate into a team that's two and four.
6: It doesn't, and, and you kind of look at the way the games have played out. I, I look back at the Monday night game when they played against the Chiefs. That was a game that was very winnable. They let that yeah. slip away. You think about the Cardinals game in Week 2. They had a 20-point lead. They let it slip away. You go to the Titans game that they played on the road, they are a you know red zone opportunity with you know the two-point conversion not being successful away from either sending that into overtime or potentially winning it. So the Raiders, you could look at the record, and like you said, they don't don't think they are. I know sometimes we say you are what your record is, but I don't know if that's the case for the Raiders. I think this is a team that like the Saints have been kind of rough in the key situational spots and they paid the price for it, but they also have had dominant stretches over the course of a game whether it's for three quarters, almost four quarters, so I think this is an opponent that I look at the schedule over the next couple weeks, you know, this is one of those where don't look
1: I think we may have lost Chris somehow some way um i i I believe and that's fine we'll let chris go and we greatly appreciate his time this is all about the saints defense that this defense has to get right they have been a sieve uh too long they were supposed to be the strength of this club and they've been anything but everybody talks about the quarterback play because that's the most high profile position understood given granted but this team was supposed to be one of the top five defenses in all of professional football and they have been a major major disappointment yes they've had injuries i understand but their pass rush has been basically non-existent um secondary has been decimated by by injuries at at the cornerback position but even the safety position has been a major disappointment Um, and with a head coach who is a defensive oriented coach This should not be the case. So this Saints defense has to step up and play better, plain and simple. And if they play better, they're a better team than the Vegas Raiders. But it's a whole bunch of ifs, ifs, ifs. And, you know, if Debo comes back, that's terrific. Uh, But somebody else on that secondary has to step up. And the way you help the secondary is you got to put heat on the quarterback. Their car's not the most mobile quarterback out there, uh, but he can throw it. Now he can sling it, and he's got some weapons to sling it to. And I'm telling you, that Josh Jacobs can run. That dude can ball. So it, this is all about the defense in my book. What Saints defense is going to show up? The defense that we thought they were going to be and still can be, or the defense that's reared its ugly head through this uh, 7 games. Uh, Into the NFL season. That's going to be the big question mark to me. Big question mark. Um, And then Andy Dalton can't turn the ball over. Receivers have to catch balls that are catchable. And Andy Dalton can't throw it into the hands of of defensive backs. uh, Particularly when you're in the red zone knocking down. Knocking on the door for a touchdown. You just can't do it. Throw the ball into the stands. Don't give the ball away. Kick a field goal. That's fine. Kick a field goal. Just don't. Turn it over near the red zone. You just can't do it. Um, plain and simple. So so we appreciate uh boot crew media's Chris Roseviglu uh for his participation. Sorry that we lost him. No biggie. We move on. You know, the game, um, Clubhouse at 1037theGame.com, 1041TheGame.com can help you out in a variety of ways. When you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes. And who doesn't like to win prizes? We all do. How about a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou? How about a $50 gift certificate to the Half-Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen? But you only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more. The Jordy Holtberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles.
0: Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul go. Just let it
2: shine through.
0: The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Uh, Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports will join us shortly um, to get his uh, NFL picks for this week. But I wanted to give a little shout out, a little love to the city of Jackson, Mississippi um, and uh, the SWAC and HBCUs, universities around the country. Uh, Jackson State and Southern University in Baton Rouge will uh, kick off Saturday at Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium at 1 o'clock. Um, prior to that, though, college game day has rolled into Jackson, and they're going to televise their pregame show from 8 to 11 a.m. this Saturday. Um as Jackson state hosts Southern, it's the first HBCU to host college game day on campus. And there's one reason and one reason alone. Yep. Uh, these are two good teams in the SWAC. Uh, Jackson state seven and 0 Southern's been on a roll of late. This is a great, great rivalry. Jackson state's average attendance is 38,000 per game. They had 51,000 for their homecoming game last weekend against Campbell University. Southern Travels, they're going to have a sold-out stadium of over 60,000 people. How about that? And it's for one reason and one reason only. Primetime. Primetime. Deion Sanders. What a job he's done. You got to give him his enthusiasm, his demeanor, his positivity, is contagious, man. It is. He was such a great player. Many will say the greatest defensive back in the history of the NFL. Others will say maybe the best return specialist ever. Um, and that's terrific. That's terrific. Um, and this is a cha- case. Be careful what you ask for, Jackson State, because this is an opportunity for the world to see Deion Sanders and his club. And if they keep doing this, somebody, somebody's going to take a chance. And somebody, you know, he's on those commercials with Nick Saban. Um, he's got that t- contagious attitude and demeanor about him. He can obviously recruit. He can obviously coach. Does he want to get on a bigger stage? How would he not? What? He's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a strong ego. Nothing wrong with that. And an ability to say, I told you I could do this. Somebody's going to give him an opportunity. Um, So we'll see. So shout out uh, for the city of Jackson, who, man, they've been, their troubles with the water situation. Uh, Shout out to the SWAC. Uh, There's going to be a boom for the economy of Jackson, Mississippi. It's going to put the SWAC on front row, center stage. Um, I don't know who they would get as their um celebrity guest picker. I'm not very that familiar with Jackson state or Southern university for that matter. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see, but it just makes for in- interesting theater. And I like how they don't always go to the big time schools and do all those things. I like where they give the smaller schools an opportunity. It'll be the first trip to a football championship subdivision campus since October 26 of 2019, when the show was televised from the Bison and South Dakota State. So, congratulations, Jackson State Southern! Uh, they're coming to your city of Jackson, and that is terrific. I look forward to seeing it. Prime time, prime time, yes, indeed. Um, let's see, Lopez trail run for life 2022 is this sunday the 10k 5k or one mile superhero fun is taking place at the cherokee ridge horse farm located at 200 flying w road in karen crow participating uh supports lopa and is a chance to honor lopa's life-saving heroes and celebrate the gift of life for more information visit lopa.org all right we've got week eight NFL picks with the Schwab coming up after this timeout here on the Jordy Heltbert show on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana I'm going to look up some dignitaries from from Jackson State and try to figure this all out I'm, I'm intrigued and I'm curious
0: we'll be right back Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go.
1: And we are back 32 minutes after the hour on this beautiful, here in the um, in the Deep South, Thursday, October 27th. I wonder what the weather's like in in beautiful Denver, Colorado, where we're going now, is Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Very kind enough to join us yet again. Hey, Frank, how are you, sir?
5: Hey, what's going on?
1: How's the weather there? Is it getting colder?
5: Cold. It's snowing like crazy right now. Is it? Is. it? I did not like seeing that when I woke up this morning. I'll just put it that Ooh,
1: way. Snowing <laughs> like crazy. Does that. Yeah, does yeah. That,
5: A couple inches on the ground now.
1: Oh, my God. Does that hurt Halloween for all the kids?
5: It'll probably be okay. Here's how we do it in Colorado. It snows, and then like two days later, it's 60 degrees. So we'll probably be all right by Monday.
1: (laughs) Speaking of that, I'm asking everybody, if um, Frank Schwab could only have one trick-or-treat candy, uh, what would it be? I, I, I mean, you, you just have to go with the peanut butter
5: cups, right? Like, I mean, that's just—I mean, it's almost too easy. It's almost too easy to answer that. So I, I'm just gonna take the take the favorite and uh, go okay. with uh, Reese's peanut butter cups.
1: <laughs> he, he's going with the betting favorite, Reese's peanut butter cups. Okay, uh, I've never seen a year like this uh, in the NFL with the troubles of Tom Brady, the troubles of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's. Uh, the the, uh, the 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 continued winning of the New York Giants, Russell Wilson's falter. I don't get it. How do you explain it?
5: I think a big part of it is that quarterback play is down, and I can't explain why exactly, other than just kind of a convergence of events of. Aaron Rodgers getting a little older and losing his best receiver and Russell Wilson changing teams and that not sticking and uh, Matthew Stafford not having a good offensive line in front of him but I think when we've seen all these quote-unquote reliable great quarterbacks really fall off this year or just not play at their normal level that kind of changes the playing field where a, the Giants can get on a roll because they're not just getting beat by great quarterbacks. The Jets can be 5-2 and two with their quarterback yeah. having like 125 yards a game. It's, I think it's just kind of made everybody bunched up because in these close games, these, these great quarterbacks we've seen through the years have not come through, and some of these teams who are relying on young quarterbacks are not getting the play they expected from Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, although he's coming off a good game. So I just think that the quarterback play being down kind of across the league other than a handful of guys has really bunched up everybody and it's kind of made it even more unpredictable than usual. It really
1: is. It's almost to the point, Frank, I really believe if you don't have a quarterback that has some mobility that can take a play and go, uh-oh, I better take off and run and can move the chain. If you don't have that, I don't know if you can win anymore in that league.
5: It's it's really hard. It's a weapon that, that you have. even. Uh, probably the closest guy to that is Patrick Mahomes, but even he can make things happen. He has to. He's one of those yeah. one of those guys who is not. You know, you're not designing runs for him, but right. yeah, third and three, everything breaks down. He can he can get it for you. So yeah, you might be right. Like that, certainly in the new wave. Uh, and I mean, it's yeah, the old school pocket passer, Matt Ryan, Ooh. for one example. Uh, it just that's not going to be the guy anymore. It's going to be really. You have to be almost an impeccable pocket passer if you can't run the ball because otherwise, you know, you're just not adding enough value to the offense.
1: Too many great athletes on that defensive line and linebackers and all that get after the quarterback. If you can't move, I mean, that's like a sitting target, which takes me to tonight's thursday night game you got that quarterback that we're talking about with baltimore against that other type of quarterback at tampa bay um the ravens are a point and a half favorite going into uh florida tonight so buccaneers are floundering they lost two straight i just can't see brady losing three in a row but i've been surprised all year yeah
5: right i I mean i i if the Buccaneers can lose to the Steelers and Panthers and back-to-back weeks, they can lose anybody. So the one thing I haven't... I'll say this. I live in Colorado where it's legal to bet. I have not bet yet because I need to see Mark Andrews active. He's such a big part of what Baltimore does. If Mark Andrews is in the game, though, I think Baltimore wins this game. I just have more trust in them. They're one of very few teams throughout NFL history who has led each of their first seven games by double digits. Now, they've blown three of those games. So that's, (laughs) that's part of their resume, too. But I kind of look at it as... This team is good enough to get up double digits on every single team they've played so far this year. And the Buccaneers, I don't – I can see them turning it around, getting better, back-against-the-wall type of performance from Brady and them, but maybe they're just kind of broken. Maybe this just is what we're going to get out of the Buccaneers this year, that they're not very good. That they're not the team we thought they would be, and it's just not going to fix itself. I mean, they have, for all the people who want to talk about injuries, well, they've been pretty healthy the past few weeks. Like, this isn't, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, they Ryan Johnson, their center's out. Well, okay. Everybody in the NFL's got some injuries. So I don't know that that's really a great excuse for them anymore. They're mostly healthy. They're just not playing well. So I'll take the Ravens.
1: I mean, I'm thinking the, the over under on wins to win the NFC South, maybe eight. You get to eight wins and win the division!
5: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think the Buccaneers win the division still. I mean, they're still the best team, but they're not good, I guess. I think you're exactly right, but that is also the kind of team that they could go, let's say they go eight and nine and win the division, which I think is possible. I don't know that that's going to happen, but it's possible. You'd not want to see the Buccaneers week one of the playoffs, the wild card weekend. Yeah. They still are going to have yeah. the talented guys out there that can make a playoff run. So that wouldn't that sum up a weird season if uh, oh eight and nine God. Buccaneers team won a division and went on a playoff run?
1: I mean, we're saying the Saints are two and five, but hope against hope. They're just one game out of first in the NFC right. South. Speaking of which, Carolina is at Atlanta. I think Atlanta's been one of the really big pleasant surprises this year. I, d- I thought they'd be terrible but they're, they're not that bad.
5: Yeah, they're one of those teams that you talk about, you know, I mean, the playing field being even by a lot of quarterbacks being down. Atlanta's probably benefited from that more than anybody. They they don't want to pass the ball. <laughs> they uh, Marcus Mariota's has played fairly well when they've asked him to, but they just want to kind of grind it out and, and try to win games that way. And they've been successful most of the year, and i don 't look the Panthers look really good last week. they beat mm-hmm. the brakes off of the buccaneers for sure i don 't know that that necessarily means that, that they 're good now. I still think they're probably the worst team of football and i don't i 'll take the Falcons here I just i 'm with you but it's it's one of those things that could be. Thirteen to ten. I mean, it's just—it's uh, not a game I'm going to be, uh, you know, tuning into all that much. Uh, not going to
1: Let's flip the channel on that one. Um, Dallas at home. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Uh, you love the Cowboys. Uh, they're ten. Yeah. Here's that double-digit spread again. They're a ten-point favorite. Uh, last I saw, over the Chicago Bears in Dallas.
5: Yeah, I like the Cowboys here. I and I usually don't take. Double-digit favorites in the NFL, but the Bears, who I don't think are very good, played Monday night on the road. They got to come and play Sunday on the road again in Dallas. I don't know how the Bears are going to block. I just I think if if they try to drop back Justin Fields at all, if they get behind in this game, that defensive line of the Cowboys is just going to feast because the Bears can't block anybody, and now you're facing the best defensive front in football. So. I do like the Cowboys a good deal here. I think they blow out the Bears. I just think the Cowboys are that team that, I don't, when people have seen a lot, a lot of discussion this week of like, oh, we know there's three good teams. Who's the fourth best team in football? I don't think there's any debate. I really don't. Like, the Cowboys are, are, are really good, and they played most of the season without Dak Prescott. Like, why do we not think that this team is going to kind of take off now that Dak Prescott's back in the lineup? I think that they, I think they really just beat up on the Bears in this game. Gotcha.
1: Uh, Arizona coming off that Thursday night win over the Saints Um, take on the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. The Vikings coming off a bye week Vikings favored by three and a half. I, I just think the Vikings are so much better than Arizona. Don't you?
5: Yeah, I think they're better, but I don't trust the Vikings either. This is a team that needed fourth quarter rallies to beat the Lions and the Bears at home. Like I don't know that they're good, but you know they allowed the the Dolphins to double them up in yards and somehow won that game down in Miami. I, I just don't trust the Cardinals, so I can't take them even with the points. I think my Minnesota wins this, probably covers. But they're one of those teams where I, like, I, you know, we, I talk a lot about doing my power rankings. When I do my power rankings, and I look at the number, and I have the Vikings, like six or something like that. And then I just I look at the record, and they're five-and-one, and I just think to myself, this is not a five-and-one team. This is not the sixth-best team in football. But here we are because
1: <laughs> so yeah. few
5: teams are winning games in the NFL that so the Vikings look pretty good.
1: Yeah, So many bad teams. Uh, the Raiders... Uh, coming to New Orleans, the Saints are a one-point uh, underdog in the Superdome. Uh, the Saints are rested. They're going to get a couple of players back. Defense, I thought, was going to be their, their strength. They've been awful defensively. Can this, do you yeah, like the Saints at home in this I, I one? I assume
5: people out there are probably fed up with Michael Thomas, right? Like, that's got to be it. Yeah, it yeah. just seems like every week, Jordy. I'm looking, and every Wednesday, it's like, oh, well, Michael Thomas didn't practice again today. That's right. like, well, when does this guy want to play football? Like, I don't I'm know if he a does, know maybe I really he doesn't have he a does. bad injury. But it just seems like there's always something going on with Michael Thomas. So they're probably, I guess, not going to get him back. We'll see. Yeah. I just don't know what to like about the Saints right now. And you know, we talked before the season. I wasn't. I kind of changed my tune on them. I thought they were going to be pretty good. But I think it's been the defense that's really let them down. I think that we knew the offense was going to have kind of issues, right? Like, they weren't going to be great. But the defense was going to be good, and it's just not. It's just not a good defense. So... I think the Raiders are a pretty good team. They're one of those teams where the opposite of the Vikings, almost. Where I look at their record and I'm like, I know this team is better than this record. I, they should have won at Kansas City, who we all think is one of the top three teams of football. I, I just, I like the Raiders in this spot. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe the Superdome magic can come through for the Saints, and we've seen weird things happen all season anyway. But Man. I just don't trust anything with the. I don't trust their offense, and I don't trust the Saints' defense either. Like, yeah. what do I? How would I? If I'm going to pick the Saints in this game, I'd have to have a reason. And. <laughs>
1: I really don't have one. I like, I like uh, the Raiders have a better quarterback. They got uh, as equally good, if not a little bit better running back. And they certainly have the best wide receiver on the field if they can get on the ball. So, Yeah, I, I, I hate to say it, but I like the Raiders unless there's some kind of dome magic. It's a, this is all about the Saints' defense. If they can get back to what they're supposed to be, the Saints will win it. If if they keep playing like they are, they can't beat the Raiders. I'm kidding. Uh, I just don't think they can. What's going on in New England? Your boy Belichick. Oh, he's, for the first time in his life, it seems like he... He doesn't have a star quarterback, and they're struggling. Who's their quarterback going to be? And they're going up against the the New York Jets, a team they used to dominate and own, and still on the road, the Patriots are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Go figure.
5: I'm, I'm telling you, we've seen this happen. We've talked about this over and over. As we've talked through the years, this comes up. When the world counts out Bill Belichick, you could just mark him down for a win. I mean, this is just setting up so perfectly for us to be sitting here on Sunday night saying, wow, yeah, we should have seen that coming. The Patriots blow out the Jets because they don't have Brees Hall anymore. They're a great yeah, rookie running hurts. back. They're going to have to ask their quarterback to do a lot more Zach Wilson. He has done nothing this season, really, against a Belichick defense. Yeah, I get that the the Patriots really don't know who their quarterback is either, but I just, I think the Patriots, I, I, as crazy as it sounds, and it's not really anything against the Jets. I don't really hate the Jets or anything. But I think the Patriots easily win this. I, I just, it's one of my favorite plays of the entire year so far, just because. It's just every single time Belichick has his back to the wall and everybody's saying that, oh, he's really screwed it up now. Look at how he's botched a quarterback situation, and they're 3-4, and four and they're not very good. That's when they go on a winning streak and start winning games, and I just assume that the same thing's going to happen on Sunday where they just you know, take it out on the Jets, basically, after they had a really, really bad game on Monday night.
1: Frank Schwab, who picks the easy money on the Halloween candy, picking against everybody by saying the Patriots are going to win and go on a roll. Um, Pittsburgh at Philadelphia, this biggest spread of the week. Eagles are 11-point favorites in this one. I'd take Philadelphia and run with it. What, What would you do?
5: I don't know, I usually, it's. by the way, it's not the biggest spread of the week, because Aaron Rodgers might, uh... Oh, that's right, little, that's right. Yeah, that's right. yeah, we'll get to that game, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I don't, I just kind of assume that the Steelers will find a way to keep it close, but... I'll tell you what, man. This Eagles team is impressive, and they just added mm. Robert Quinn in a trade. Didn't give up too much to get him, a guy who had eighteen and a half sacks last year. The Eagles are really, really good. They wouldn't surprise me at all if they win by twenty-one or something like that. But usually, a double-digit underdogs, I'll take the underdog.
1: Okay, Frank Schwab. So let's uh, let's talk about that uh, game with the uh, the Packers. At Buffalo, the Packers, one of those. No, no, before we get to that one, um, a very important NFC West game, the 49ers versus Mm. the Rams. Shanahan has owned McVay. Um, They got the running back uh, coming from from Carolina. He has a week under his belt now. Um, What do you think of this one with the 49ers, a uh, a one-and-a-half-point favorite um, on the road to L.A.?
5: Yeah, we saw this game a couple weeks ago, and I don't think much changes. I really don't. The Rams couldn't block the 49ers, and they just couldn't run an offense. And And I get the 49ers a little more beat up than they were that week, but... And it's in LA this time, but I just there's something to this Shanahan McVay thing. I think Shanahan just r- really does well against McVay. I, whatever reason it is, he's inside his head a little bit. I think the the 49ers are a supremely talented team. I think they're really really good, but they're just three and four. Like at some point, this has got to turn for them a little bit if they're going to make something in their season. I do think it turns in this game. I think they win, just because I I think the Rams' issues are just not fixed yet. They they can't block. They and I don't yeah. think they're gonna be able to block the 49ers in this game. Who I do think are I think Christian McCaffrey from starting on Sunday through the rest of the year, going to be an amazing player for the Forty ers
1: I agree. I think he'll,
5: he's he's going to be ready. Like, what could you do last week? He lands on Friday and he plays on Sunday, and you give him a package <laughs> of like ten
1: plays. This <laughs> week, he's a smart guy. He'll he'll be he'll ready to roll out. that
5: offense, and I think he's going to be just a superstar from here on out. That, for them. that
1: to me, you're right. I think that's the perfect fit in the perfect system with the perfect coach. Uh, I think that's terrific. Uh, the Giants been the surprise team in the NFL. But they have to go to another surprise team who's still leading their division, the Seattle Seahawks. And the Seahawks are three-point home favorites on this one. Um, Offensive line banged up for the Giants. Giants don't seem to be able to stop the run even though they keep winning. Um, Who do you like in this one? I you know what I'm just gonna
5: keep taking the Giants. <laughs> they, they Keep winning. I don't know how exactly, but they keep doing it. And this is nothing really against Seattle. I think if you get rid of what we thought about Seattle before the season and just watch their games, you're like, "This is a pretty good football team." I don't. I don't like the whole Geno Smith story's pretty crazy, honestly. But he's yeah. a really good football. Pete Carroll knew something about Russell Wilson. The rest of us might not have. This is just, I mean, Seattle, that trade is, as far as it's set back to the Broncos, it has pushed forward the Seahawks. They got a lot of picks coming up from that trade and to be out of that contract and everything with Russ. So, nothing against the Seahawks. I like the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are a pretty good football team. But, I mean, if you're going to keep giving me the Giants as an underdog, I guess I just got to keep taking them until they start not covering spreads.
1: There you go. All right, Green Bay at Buffalo, the Bills are 11 and a half point favorites. Oh, I remember Aaron Rodgers saying, "This is the perfect scenario for us. Everybody thinks we're going to lose." I think he's saying that to his front office going, "We're going to get our brains beat out and you better go get us some help." What do you think? Yeah,
5: the whole like the whole like Aaron Rodgers blaming everybody else show is is a little tiring, but
1: it really look, is.
5: Look, before I mean, you know, a lot of these sports books put out spreads, you know, for the whole entire season, every game. And back in August or whenever they did that, the Packers were a four-point underdog uh, at the Bills. The Bills have been what we expected. Super Bowl contenders, all that kind of stuff. They're really good. Are the Packers that much worse than we figured that this line should move by seven-and-a-half points? I don't think so. I think the Packers are not very good right now, but 11-and-a-half with Aaron Rodgers, I I... Look, this might be the first and last time we ever see Aaron Rodgers getting double digits, and i got to take it. I've got to just say he'll find a way to make enough plays for them to cover the spread. I just, I, It's funny. Like, but, like I think people have heard by now, the first time Aaron Rodgers double-digit underdog in his career, He the highest wow. spread in any of his games before this was wow. 8.5 in the 2014 season opener at Seattle, that great Seahawks team. And 11.5, I mean, I just have to blindly take the Packers and, and just assume that... This Packers team isn't that bad, where they should be, you know, giving a, or getting eleven and a half points against anybody, even a really, really good Bills team.
1: So you're saying the Bills win, but the Packers cover? Yes, yes, some um, okay.
5: So you know, some twenty-eight, twenty-one type of deal. Okay. I just the Packers are not a terrible football team. They're not good right now. Don't get me wrong, but right. it's not like we're talking about the Houston Texans here. And, and if you're <laughs> giving a quality. Double-digit underdog with a great all-time quarterback. They just have to do that. It's. I think I think the spread is just kind of mind-blowing how high it is.
1: Exactly. Last one, real quick, 30 seconds. Cincinnati, three and a half point road favorites at Cleveland. It seems like to me, Burrow and company are starting to get hot. And uh, man, I like I like Cincy.
5: I, I I do too. Yeah, I mean, I do think you're right. I think the Bengals are starting to get together. Their line is starting to gel a little bit, and that's big. And moreover than that, the Browns are just bad. The Browns are a bad football team, Jordy, both sides of the field. So, yeah, I'm going to go Cincinnati here and probably take it before it reaches four or anything like that. All
1: right, enjoy your Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Enjoy week eight of the NFL. You are the best. Thank you so much, as always. Legendary Mr. Frank Schwab. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate it. All right, buddy, you're the best. The Schwab from Yahoo Sports. We'll take a final timeout. We'll come back and uh, say goodbye for this Thursday edition of the Jordy Helper Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana.
0: He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bombers' success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You
2: look malice.
0: Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: Hi,
1: welcome back. If today, October 27th, is your birthday. All of us wish all of you the very best birthday ever. You share your day with them, well... Uh, boy, what's happened to him? Uh, Lonzo Ball is 26 years old today. All right. Special thanks to our guest Cody Juno. By the way, the Raging Cajuns win tonight. I don't think it's a high-scoring game, but I think the Cajuns' offense is better, much better than Southern Miss. I think the Cajuns' defense pressures that ro- that freshman quarterback, and I think the Cajuns win it by by ten. Low-scoring kind of a game, 24-14, something like that. Um, Paul Manere sharing his thoughts on the World Series and his two former players, Aaron Nola on the bump for Philly, Alex Bregman batting cleanup, playing third base for the Astros, shared some interesting, interesting stories. If you missed it, go to uh, 1037.com, 1041.com. Um, the game.com and you can uh, pull those up on demand and listen to the listen to that again chris rose for glue with the saints against the raiders coming up this sunday and frank schwab with all of his week eight nfl picks he really loves new england new england as a underdog to win against the new york jets he loves that bet so so we shall We shall see. Tomorrow, as always, is a fun-filled football Friday. We'll recap uh, the Cajuns game. We will look ahead to the Saints versus the Raiders. Uh, We'll talk a little LSU talk as they get ready for Alabama the following weekend. We'll go around the SEC. We'll um, have our picks as well. And, of course, Friday's with fouls. So it'll be a fun, fun day. Uh, James Mesh in the producer's chair. Thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in whatever form or fashion you do, whether it's the the radio, the internet, or the television set. We appreciate it. To our partners, we couldn't do it without you. So until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another. And let's be happy. Good luck to the Cajuns. So long, everybody.